0: Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey.
1: Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. We've got back-to-back days with Light the Lamp episodes this week for you guys. Now, the Anaheim Ducks are off the road and heading back home with a couple days before their game on Friday when they host the Pittsburgh Penguins at Honda Center. And in the meantime, the annual Ducks and Tucks will be taking place tonight, that being Wednesday. So they'll have an early practice today that I'm going to be heading to to check in with some of the guys on how their All-Star break was this afternoon. Now, looking back to Tuesday night in Chicago, the Ducks took a 3-2 overtime win against the Blackhawks. This team continues to build up their game in recent games, something that has been very noticeable. They completed their back-to-back strong this week, despite some fatigue in the skater's legs towards the end of the game. Let's get to AD's takeaways now. The Ducks are now on a five-game point streak with their win over Chicago on Tuesday. They've also won four of their last five games, playing some really strong hockey right now. And now Tuesday, they were without Troy Terry still. So Ryan Strom moved up to that top line in place of him. A big role for Stromer on that top line, but I think he played it pretty well last night. Brett Leeson returned to the lineup for his first game since January 19th. And Derek Grant, another name who also played his first game since December 3rd. So great to see the guys getting healthy and back in the lineup overall. The first period in this game took some time for both the Blackhawks and the Ducks to settle in. The goals did not come until the second period. And Brett Leeson was the one to net the first goal of the game for the Ducks. Jason Meghna, another guy who had a goal on the night, his first goal with the Anaheim Ducks. And first in a number of years, he had a huge smile on his face after getting that one. And it was a big one because it tied up the game and eventually forced the overtime. I think overall, just good to see the scoring depth in this game from the lineup, especially like I mentioned with the absence of Troy Terry. Now going to the overtime, Isaac Lundstrom was the one to circle around the net and found Frank Vetrano, who scored a backhander to win the game for the Ducks. Looking at this one overall, the penalty kill just continues to shine. They are 11 of 11 in the last three games and 15 of 17 in their last five games. So really great to see. I think overall, I've just liked the way that the Ducks have looked on the ice. They just seem more confident overall, and they're trying to be more consistent. Consistent is a word that all of the guys have used throughout the season, something that's been really important to the team to try to find, and I think we're in a time right now where they are being consistent. I'm looking forward to chatting with head coach Dallas Aikens ahead of the game on Friday against the Penguins to see his perspective of how the last couple games have gone for the team as well. But like I said, you have to be pleased with the way that the Ducks are looking right now, especially as they have a lot of road games throughout the month of February. So let's go coast to coast now to hear goal calls from around the NHL on Tuesday night, beginning, of course, with the Anaheim Ducks and Chicago Blackhawks game. The game winning goal by Frank Vetrano at 215 into overtime, assisted by Isaac Lundestrom. Like I mentioned, this was Vetrano's 12th goal of the season, and he has points in his last four of five games. Steve Carroll has the call of the goal.
0: His teammate, Isaac Lundestrom. It would be nice if he could get one here. Lundestrom circles back. Out with Vetrano and Klingberg at the moment. Lundestrom to the net. Goes behind it. Still with it. In front open, Vetrano scores! Frank Vetrano, backhand shot up high. Ducks win it in
1: overtime. 3-2, to 2.45 left on the clock. And a team that the Ducks are going to see this week, the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday night. Penguins goaltender Casey DeSmith had 41 saves in the net as the Penguins took a 2-1 to overtime win. Brian Rust netted a late goal in the third period to tie it up and force that overtime for the Pens. And then in overtime, a resilient goal happened coming from a scrum in front of the net. And then Sidney Crosby taking it around back and found Chris Letang in the front who settled it and put a shot on net. This was a big win for the Penguins who have lost some of their recent games and are just fighting in the middle of the pack in the Metropolitan right now. Josh gets off, shared the call of the moment.
0: Over to McKinnon, left wing, one-timer, Dismith denies a big rebound up in the air. It's picked up by the Pens. As Malkin's going to exit in a couple seconds, paling has got it short-handed. Down the left wing at the near circle. Carries behind the net. Ryan Paling throws it in the slot. Malkin there across. A shot from Crosby denied by Francois. Back to Malkin right side. Wrists it. Save Francois. It's loose. They're digging for it. A delay call at ice level. Crosby's got it. Feeds it to Latang. Wrist shot. Score. Kidding me? The Penguins storm back to kick off the second half of the season with a come-from-behind 2-1 OT win over the defending champs here at PPG Paints Arena. Chris Letang, the hero for Pittsburgh.
1: And last up, the New York Islanders taking on the Seattle Kraken. It was a big shutout, four nothing win for New York on the island against the Kraken. In only his second game in New York since being acquired by Vancouver, Bo Horvat netted his first goal with the team, and that goal came at the 5:08 mark in the second period and was the final goal for the Islanders in the game. You can listen to the call of the goal from Chris King
0: fun. quick shot, Horvat. He scores! Bow! Horvat has his first goal as an Islander, and now 32 on the season, a new career high. He makes it four nothing, New York. Congratulations, Bow!
1: And now returning back to light the lamp as a second-time guest. John Bucci-Gross, we had a surprise for him in the beginning of this interview and then talked through his time at All-Star Weekend and more on what's happening in the NHL and college hockey. Listen in now. Making his second appearance on Light the Lamp ESPN's John bucci Grass joins us now. Bucci, great to have you back. How's your week going?
0: Uh, it's going well. Back up from South Florida a week down there. And now we're back up to the cold of New England, but that's hockey weather. And we're getting closer to March. March is probably one of my favorite hockey months of the year. College tournament starts, NCAA. All the, you know, youth hockey state tournaments are going on. NHL on the stretch drive. Trade deadline, early March. So March to me is one of the best, uh, if not the best, hockey month.
1: You know, that's a good point. I didn't think about how busy it always is. Thank you very much. Yes,
0: (laughs) Yeah, the whole yeah, the whole hockey world kind of comes together <laughs> and you know, unfortunately the hockey playoffs and the copper it's in the summer. Mm. And to me that takes some of the bite off. I wish I wish we crowned the Stanley Cup like we did uh, you know, back in the older days, even like you know when Bobby Orr went flying through the air with his most famous hockey goal in NHL history, that was May the 10th mm. that they won the Stanley Cup. So they're done May the 10th, and then you know, then the summer begins. Nice long summer. Now we're going we usually crown it you know around Flag Day, June 14th, or a little bit before. So it, it, it is just a month later, but something about March the hopefulness of spring. I know you guys don't worry about that with the greatest weather in the U S but for us out here, you know, you can't wait for it to get warm. You think about the beach. We appreciate that great weather so much hockey games matter still a little bit of a chill in the air. So yeah, March has always been a cool hockey month for me.
1: Well, I want to start this interview with showing you something a little bit of a surprise. And I want to know if you recognize this moment
0: Yes, that was in Buffalo, New York, <laughs> after Trevor Zegris' alley oop to the stunning Milano. And then he drifted in the corner because remember, he was kind of shifting right as he threw the alley oop and then drifted to the corner. And then, of course, he realized what happened. And then that was in the corner of the rink in Buffalo uh, <laughs> when he really, uh, really, you know, I always compare that play to Odell Beckham Jr.'s one handed catch he made on Sunday Night Football. Mm. I, me- I remember doing sports center that night. And Trent Dilfer was my analyst. So I go, that's gonna change his life forever. This mm-hmm. catch by H- Odell Beckham Jr. And I was thinking, and that cause that was Sunday night, might have been against the Cowboys. I can't remember the opponent. I should remember that. But because it was Sunday night, it was New York. And even though his was a weekday game in Buffalo, I knew his life was gonna change from that one play. <laughs> and almost and that reaction of that action figure, I think, is more than just the goal. It's like I can't believe what my life's become. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's really a, it, it's a micro moment, but I think it's also a macro. I love that. I, I need to get one of those. Yeah, well, I, I, need
1: to- I was going to say, this is going to be yours, and oh. we're going to be giving these away at our game next Wednesday against the Sabres when they come to town. It's going oh, to be perfect. Superheroes Night, but I wanted to make sure you get one, and then we're also going to give... You. Two away on Duckstream at some point in the next week, but um, definitely Beautiful. excited to get this to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Have you talked to Z at all this year?
0: Well, uh, at the players tour, that's when the players all go to one central location in September and they get to, you know, a bunch of them come, they put their uniforms on, they help us with our open and our open sequences that you see on ESPN hockey and TNT. And, and then we get to sit down and interview a lot of them while we're there to accumulate sound that we can use for the whole year to do features. And uh, so I got to sit down with Trevor, which was really cool. And we did a feature earlier in the year, which uh, I've tweeted out It's on my Instagram on the point, um, just talking about that last year and talking about you know John Tortorella's criticisms and and uh his play on the ice and stuff so a lot going on so I, I have a pretty good relationship but that that was the cool part of that night with that figurine was after the game you know we threw a headset on him and usually the analyst on the ice just talks to the player but my uh, one of our producers Mike McQuaid he's our big boss says hey put, uh, have him talk to Bucci too um so he puts his headset on he goes and he just you know just started talking. Hey, Bucci, I saw you at Tim Hortons this morning. Uh, I was I was going to bother you, but uh, you know I didn't want to I didn't want to bother you, so I just kept walking. I go, oh, did you see me crush that Boston cream donut? And he goes, oh, two of them, two of them, you know. <laughs> and, and it was really only one, but he was kind of going with the bit, which shows his wit. And his kind of silliness and stuff so that was a really cool moment that was kind of organic just came out of nowhere again mm-hmm. kind of it's just a different type of hockey interview than people were you know used of you know, than in the past and a lot of that stems from my college hockey stuff on Twitter mm-hmm. of course Trevor played mm-hmm. one year of college hockey at BU so a lot of those kids his age kind of grew up with me on Twitter the Bucci overtime challenge and that college hockey stuff so I kind of have a relationship before I even meet them which is kind of cool mm-hmm. you know they see mm-hmm. me coming and, and they and it kind of opens me up and makes me approachable makes them approachable. And and now they're like my sons. I call them all my third son. So uh, (laughs) I I, want to take care of them. I want them to be happy. I want them to do well. And so Trevor certainly at the, at the top of that list. So I did talk with him in Las Vegas uh, before the season started.
1: Well, you were just down at all-star weekend, and I'm curious to know how your experience was throughout the whole weekend.
0: It was busy. They put me to work. You know, we had the uh, one, of, one of the uh, skills competitions was that pitch and puck where the players went to a local mm-hmm. golf course and played a golf hole and shot a puck until they got to the green then putted the golf ball, all with the hockey stick and hockey gloves on. That was cool. A nice little eight minute feature we could tightly edit and add music and stuff, which, uh, you know, some of the other, you know, the live. Skills competitions can sometimes drag out and and maybe take a little longer. It was a three hour window should probably be shorter, more like a two would be better. Um, so, yeah, that was a, you know, I did that in post-production and I sat down again with a, eight or nine players uh, to get, accumulate more sound for the second half of the season. You know, talked to Ovechkin. You know, we have a penguin uh, capital game coming up, so I'm going to get some pregame sound, and mm-hmm. and so that's always good to. Uh, I like to sit and talk with the players, you know, face to face, a couple feet away, and just observe them. Observe what they look like, what their body type is like, what their personality is like. Do they have skinny calves? Do they have big calves? Are they skinny? Are they, you know, are they in good shape? And just I kind of I like to because you know hockey equipment, you can't tell what a player looks right. like, you know. Really can it hides it hides everybody. They all kind of look the same with all the shoulder pads and stuff and the big hockey pants. You know, you can't see Alex Ovechkin looks like you know a fullback. Like <laughs> you understand his power. You know, and, right. and other people. And other people, are, oh well, that, I call that is skinny. I can't believe how skinny he is. And of course, they all look big, you know. So. Uh, so, yeah, so I like meeting the players up front, getting a sense of their personality. And uh, so I, that's really valuable for me. I'm, I'm kind of an observational learner. I like to kind of, you know, it's nothing really gets by me. And so I like to observe all that and talking with the players, seeing players. Yeah, it's good for us in the media, too. That's where we. Everybody's there, right? It's the mm-hmm. one event where you see everybody in the media. You see Stanley Cup final, you see some, but even more in the All Star game because some teams send local reporters, mm-hmm. and, and usually it's in the middle of the year. So it's a great, it's a, just a great place for fans, sponsors. Um, you know the media get together. I don't really like when the media starts bashing stuff like the All Star Game and, and the game in general. It's, I've never understood that really, but I think they go overboard sometime trying to prove a point, trying to show how smart they are, how care, how much they care. But um, it's uh, sometimes that gets in the way. But to me, it's it's a great celebration. It has its purpose. It's an important weekend for the league, and uh, they should just go with that.
1: Now, I saw that your daughter was also there for All Star Weekend. How special is it to have her around during that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, she works for the NHL social <laughs> media job for five over five years now. So nice. she had the coolest job. She had the coolest, she had a cooler job than I did, you know, before we got hockey back at ESPN. So yeah, it's just so cool. Like, even, you know, she goes to all the tent pole events. So Mallory, uh, 28 years old so it's so fun last year at the finals I'll just be walking down the reek in Colorado or Tampa bay as the finals go back and forth oh there's my daughter like every time I see her i give her a big hug like I first time I've seen her in months Aww. and uh but she's all luckily she doesn't say dad would you stop like very sweet old-fashioned uh girl so a heart young woman uh so yeah I, I just love seeing her and uh, I just melt every time I see her so it's cool to to be able to see her but like i said what's so neat about it it's unexpected like I never mm-hmm. know when I'm gonna see her a lot of times' it's I'm not even thinking about it because I'm thinking about my job and this Mm -hmm. and taking one step in front of me and okay, who am I interviewing now? Mallory, you know, so it's awesome.
1: Well, another part of all-star weekend was the addition of Pat Maroon to the broadcast. What was it like getting to have him out there?
0: Yeah, it's really cool. You know, Pat is always says yes to an interview. And so (laughs) he's really media friendly. I'm sure he's planting the seeds for when he's done playing here in a year or two, he signed through next year but you know that day's coming soon for him he, you know he's in his early mid 30s now and so i'm sure he's thinking about that post career and um and tv certainly is a, is, a, is an opportunity for him so i thought it was a good way for him to get his feet wet um and so yeah so i've known pat for a while and i've communicated with him over twitter and and stuff and so it was good to be his teammate and try to coach him up and one thing i told him before he started was you know don't be a reporter be pat maroon mm-hmm. and don't you know don't try to be don't play reporter and just you know be yourself and and uh, it, every player will tell you it's not as easy as it looks. And, um, and so uh, I'm sure he was nervous and stuff, but it was good, you know, that he got his feet wet there and gives, gives them an idea going for It's not, you know, the skills competition isn't the best thing in the world to throw someone into, but in some ways it is. Cause you're just trying to show your personality, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was good to have him on board. You know, I'm sure he'll end up working either for us or TNT or maybe a local. You know, maybe even Tampa Bay at some point become an analyst if he wants to. Um, he'll, you know, Pat's one of those players who's didn't make a killing money wise. You know, some of these guys make six, seven, eight, nine million. They make a hundred million dollars in their career. They don't have to broadcast. Mm-hmm. So other guys, you got to keep working. He's a young man. He's going to live for another fifty years. You know, you got to you got to work. <laughs> so I'm sure you 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 would like to get those hungry guys like Pat. So hopefully he'll go into it.
1: Matthew Kachuk certainly had a showing being the MVP of the all-star game. Certainly very fitting too, with his position down with the Florida Panthers. Uh, What were you surprised by seeing him come out with such a showing in the game?
0: No, not really. You know, he really wanted to. You know, he wanted to get traded to you know a team in the United States. You know, he, he told Calgary he wasn't going to sign after this year as a UFA. So they so he let them know. So they traded him, and for him to end up in South Florida um, on a pretty good team with a really good player in Alexander and Alexander Barkov and tax free state. Great weather during the hockey season is really the best place, really, probably in America during the hockey season for weather because it's always warm down there. You know, you know it's always going to be warm from like November to April. So it's a great place to be. His parents can zip down and see him and stay at his house for a couple of days, which is what happened over All-Star Weekend. Everybody was at his house. So, yeah. So for him to, you know, to show out like that and get the MVP, get the free car. And now his team's starting to go. The Panthers are finally starting to go. Last year's, you know, they had the most points in the league, scored the most goals in the league. And then suddenly look like they might not make the playoffs. It's still going to be a challenge, but at least now they're on the bubble and they've really played well, led by Matthew, who should be in the MVP conversation. I think he's fifth in the league in scoring as we talk. Um, I, everyone thought last year would be his career year with 40 goals and 100 points. Nobody thought he quite had that offensive game, but now it looks like he might surpass it this year. He's really for a guy who really can't skate very well. He's not fast. Not real big and strong. He just is so smart, amazing playmaker, passer, and uh and gritty and tough and just smart. Just knows how to play. Obviously, raised by his dad. He raised his two sons. Here's what's important. Do these things right here, and you can and you can play and, and make a lot of money, which they're both doing.
1: As we get into this last bit of the season, I mean, there have certainly been a lot of changes, and some teams you just mentioned it with the Panthers, but In particular, starting with the Bruins, do you think that they're sustainable heading into the postseason?
0: Well, probably not. Not really, because, you know, they're on a historic note. So, um, you know, and teams have done stuff like this before and then lost, you know, in the mm-hmm. first round. It, it can happen. The only thing, obviously, they're probably going to finish first in the East. So they're going to play one of those teams battling down in the bottom. Uh, the two wild card teams, you know, the the Penguins, the Capitals, the Islanders, the Panthers, you know, it's probably going to be one of those teams uh, in, in there and even the sabers make a run so all those teams i just said that's a decent matchup for them where you know some like the, you know the just like last year the toronto maple leafs can have an awesome first Awesome regular season, get 106, 107 points, have all these good players and they got to play Tampa in the first round, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and even the Devils, Devils have this kind of Cinderella story. I, I did pick them before the season to make the playoffs. It was kind mm. of a, a reach, but i like to make a couple reaches because the eight teams you think are going to make the playoffs. There's always a couple surprises. So I try right. to pick two. There were one. But you know they could have this Cinderella story. Jack Hughes might get 50 goals. They got to play the Rangers in the first round. So mm-hmm. you know with the current setup, that's why Sidney Crosby at the All Star game was talking about maybe we should go 1827. Mm-hmm. You know you got to think about that with the schedule and how that worked. But that was kind of his point that some of these teams could have these amazing you know seasons and boom they got to play this incredible team uh, right off the bat. So the Bruins, you know I think they should get a pretty good first round opponent to get their feet wet. Um, and then from there though, you know, they're going to have to beat a Tampa or a Toronto or a Ranger team or a Carolina team, you know, and that's eventually that's going to be tough. So it's the regular season is one thing and we're seeing this year. There's, there's not a lot of great teams out there. So you play a lot of non-playoff teams almost every night. And, uh, so it's, it's hard to win 16 games after an 82 game schedule.
1: Carolina is another one of those teams that people had their eye on heading into the season, a really great defensive team. And they've been having success as of late too. What have your thoughts been on their play this year and, you know, heading into the postseason, season, uh, you know, if they can make a push finally.
0: Yeah, they're dangerous. Rod Brindamore, you know, might be the best coach in the league in terms of how his team reflects his personality. They just throw a lot of pucks on net. Mm-hmm. They forecheck hard And uh, it's just, you know, the goaltending will be the issue for them. Can they play good goaltending for two months? That's what you need to win a Stanley Cup. And they have obviously Anderson there and Ranta and the young Russian and the Max, they, I think they really thought Max Pacioretty could become that elite winger, add him midway through the season, and then have him go for the playoffs. Now he blows his Achilles again. So that's kind of that scoring threat that they didn't have the last couple of years that they need in the playoffs. So now whether or not they'll go out and try to get it, I know they might have been in Bo Horvat for a while, but obviously they're not going to get him. Will they surprise everybody and get Timo Meyer, who can really kind of step in and replace the Pacioretty, uh vacancy now that he's gone? So, you know, they trying to scrap for some goal scoring to go – and the un, and the uncertainty in net uh, with a young player. And we mentioned Ranta and Anderson. So, you know, there are some questions, but really almost every team has only a couple you kind of look at and say they don't have any questions going into the playoffs. Certainly a healthy Bruins team would be the one team in the entire league that says, okay, that team is set the most. They don't seem to have a, a weakness. Um, they're pretty good in all areas. Um, everybody else, even going to Colorado, who won the cup last year, it's like, well, the goalie, we're not sure if he can – everyone else, if everyone if they get everyone back healthy – you know, is the goalie good enough? Mm-hmm. And uh, Tampa Bay, you know, are they are they a little too old on the bottom six? Are they are they, are they do they have enough to maybe get back and sneak in and win a, a surprising cup and get three and four years, which would really cement them among the great NHL teams? So yeah, outside of Boston, I think everybody has questions.
1: And out here on the Pacific side with the Ducks, I mean, have you thought that the the season has played out with your expectations for Anaheim this season?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think this is about what they expected, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be near the bottom, the bottom five. And then from there, just, you know, if you get unexpected play from a first or second, third year player, you know, maybe they could have stuck up a little bit, but I don't think they really thought they were a playoff team. And so mm-hmm. obviously Pat beek is trying to strip it down, add assets and then build it back up again. And obviously with Connor Bedard sitting here as the, as the number one overall pick, whoever wins the draft lottery, you'd like to be in that, you know, that bottom five, bottom three to five to get that shot. Cause he literally would change that franchise, um, I mean, to picture, you know, him and Zegers playing, um, if, Bizar- if Bedard ends up being kind of a winger, uh, whether or not he can play in the middle at his size and be a true centerman, we'll see. Maybe you start him on the wing with Zegers. You could kind of change up. You could play some center and some shifts, play them both together, kind of like what the Penguins have done with Crosby and Malkin throughout the years. They both center a line. And then at the end of the period, you can throw them together for a few shifts, obviously on the power play. But he- he's a franchise-altering player, so they're in position to get him. Um, you know, so Pat Verbeek is just making deals, adding assets, but you got to hit on those draft picks. Mm-hmm. The players have to develop relatively quickly. Um, it can take time. You know, the, the Red Wings haven't won a playoff series since, you know, 2013. It's been 10 years for a team like Detroit. They haven't made the playoffs since 2016. So I'm sure Patrick will look to, you know, look to deal Klingberg and and possibly Henrique, who's got 19 goals, and, you know, as he continues to try to try to build this thing up. And then, you know, I think Anaheim is a place that a free agent will sign when he's ready to do that. Then boom, then he can. I think a player would be attracted to play in there. So yeah, it's it's just getting these young guys and then growing up together and building a core. And you hope that it's vigorous and Terry, and uh, and you go from there. So it's a lot of luck with the draft, where you finish, and then the guy uh, that you want is there. How deep is the draft? It's obviously very deep this year. That's why he'd like to get as many draft picks as possible. And then your guy just has to develop because again they're they're 18, 19 years old. You're just not sure who's going to be committed for their entire life. Who's not going to get distracted who might even grow and get stronger, who's already peaked. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a tough science.
1: That trade deadline coming up in the next month. uh, Who are some people that you've kind of had your eye on? I know that obviously there's so much talk in Chicago with Kane and Taves, but a lot of, a lot of names around the NHL, it seems.
0: Yeah, Kane's the big one. You know, mm-hmm. you know, will he you know, leave Chicago and and how much of a difference can he make? He's older now. He doesn't score as many goals as he used to be. He's a, a great disher, a great distributor. So I think it will depend on the team. You know, it, he can definitely bring out the best in, in whoever he plays with. And so if there's a team that yeah, we have a guy. If we put him on that line. Patrick will make him pop, so not a, we're getting more out of a guy we over have. So it's really like almost getting two players when you get Patrick Kane. He's so good at making others better. Um, and then yeah, Taves as well. Not, you know, will, will someone add him like at Winnipeg where he's from uh, to give them some depth as they make the playoffs? But Timo Meyer is probably the big name on the list. He's a 40 goal scorer, uh, RFA to be, but then he'll he'll sign one of those long seven eight seven year deals. Um, so it's just a matter of you know who's going to identify him. New Jersey's a team where many people think that that's the spot because. They need some size, and he'd be a perfect fit on that young, growing team. And you know, there's always, you know, this defenseman like Matthias Ekholm, I mentioned, obviously on the Ducks. You know, Henrik and Frank Vitrano. You know, New York might look at Vitrano and say, "Well, that's a guy we know all about him. He was good for us. Let's bring mm-hmm. him back to get some depth in the playoff, you know, playoff run." So you know, everybody is pretty much. You know, the, the cap is tight. It is going to go up in the next couple of years, but there's not a lot of cap room, so things have to match up. And uh, and with that draft being so good this summer, like I said. I think teams are going to be a little careful giving up ones and twos because even second round picks could be really good. So, mm-hmm. but this time of year, GMs can taste it. It's an emotional sport. You know, they want to add. Edmonton wants to add a defenseman, a big defenseman, a veteran defenseman. And even though they might not want to trade that future number one or number two, they realize uh, this is we got to go get it now. So, um, not a lot of huge names. I think it starts with Kane and Tays, and I mentioned Timo Meyer. And there's and anybody else is really you know once teams fall out here in the next couple of weeks weeks and the GMs do the math, every team has a Henrique and a Vetrano and, you know, a Klingberg that they can deal for as a team looking to kind of, you know, slot in some depth guys.
1: Looking at college hockey now, the bean pot underway in Boston and the final coming up with Harvard and Northeastern. Who's your pick in that?
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Obviously, Devin Levi, a young Buffalo Sabre property, the goalie for Northeastern. Seems like one of those big-time goalies. Harvard Harvard has a lot of good talent, future NHL players on their team as well. So, you know, they've never met in the Beanpot final. It's unbelievable. BU and BC have obviously dominated throughout the years, although college hockey is – parity is here now. Um, There's no more dominant teams anymore. Those days are over. And uh, so it's good to see a Northeastern-Harvard final. But I would probably – I'd go to Northeastern. And just because they have some experience, they made the tournament last year. And and that goalie, Devin Levi, um, is someone who's really exciting to watch.
1: A lot of Big Ten schools in the top 15 overall. My Spartans doing well. I know they're in your standings pretty high, too. Uh, And it's great to see all of the schools from Michigan in particular that are doing so well this season. That's something that stood out to me on my end.
0: Yeah, it, Michigan State's kind of been up and down. They're in, mm-hmm. then they're out, they're back in again. But yeah, they're uh, you know they they just redid Mont Arena, and it's a, it's a really cool arena. They're trying to bring back their glory days when they won national championships. Mm-hmm and uh, so yeah the big 10 had a lot of people their diehard college hockey people thought it would ruin college hockey but once the big 10 came along and the big 10 network that's why the league was started for tv purposes um suddenly coverage of hockey college hockey has really improved it was mm-hmm. hard to find a game in high definition 10 15 years ago you know now you're there's a lot of games on espn plus is a great service to see a lot of college hockey a lot of them are campus produce, and a great opportunity for these young students to go to these schools to produce these games and broadcast those games it's awesome i would have loved that when i went to school. Uh, but yeah, the big 10 is cooking. Um, five teams right now could make the tournament. It's a field of 16 in the NCAA hockey tournament selection show coming up in March. I'll do that. Um, then the NCAA tournament begins late March, four regions of four teams. And then the frozen four is in Tampa this year, back Mm. in Tampa where it, where it was in 2015, uh, make it 2016 when North Dakota, uh, won their last national championship. Brock Besser was on that team. And, uh, so yeah, back in Tampa, a great, a great venue for a frozen four and, uh, looking forward to going back there. And, um, yeah, I probably pretty good chance. We'll see a big 10 team there. Like you said, they're they're They got a deep field so far,
1: Michigan and Michigan state taking on each other this weekend in particular, that should be another good series.
0: Yeah, Michigan is loaded. Adam Fantilli is a name to watch. He'll likely be the second pick of the draft after Connor Bedard. Uh, so if you lo- if you do lose that sweepstakes and look at Bedard at one, yeah, the second pick like the Ducks might have. There's a big centerman there waiting for you uh, in Adam Fantilli to add him with that forward group with McTavish and with Terry and with Zegras as, again, Pat Verbeek tries to accumulate this young talent. Hard to win with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds in the NHL. you got to wait till they grow and then suddenly that big contract is do that's why i said it's really hard um you'd like these guys to come in re- you know ready to go and then supplant them with some 25 26 28 year old veterans so you don't want to get rid of all the veterans you know, you want to keep a few of them around, uh, just in case, you know, two or three of these young guys pop. Cause again, it's just hard to win with a lot of young guys mm-hmm. like that. And then with the salary cap and these players getting paid a lot earlier now, yes. signing these like, you know, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins mm-hmm. signs a seven year, $7 million a year contract at age 22. That just didn't happen before. There were bridge deals, you know, it just let's wait till you get to UFA status. So that's what makes it hard now, uh, with the cap staying where it was, now it's going to finally grow. So that will, Will help the ducks as when it's time to pay Ziegler. You know he's going to be a seven million dollar player probably. Um, You know it's, it's going to be it's going to be tough, but at least the cap will go up. That'll help cushion the blow a little bit.
1: Well, one last one before I let you go. Who is your pick for the Super Bowl?
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the Eagles year that their line, their, their O-line and D-line seems like uh, it's enough. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the difference. You know, Patrick Mahomes certainly is a guy who can win a game by himself. Um, but I do think the Eagles will get it done with that line. It's it seems a, a step uh, more physical and faster to me by just a touch. So I'll go with them. Eagles.
1: I'm How about you? you I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm picking the Eagles right. too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: At least it's Pennsylvania, so.
0: <laughs> that's right, yeah. The, the, the wrong end from where I'm yes, from. Yes, right,
1: uh, wrong end.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're Western pa but that's okay. It's so the Keystone <laughs> State Pride. Although, yeah, I normally did not root for a Philly teams growing up. Now I love every team equally because you know, I'm, a, I'm a serious journalist.
1: <laughs> All right, Bucci, thank you for joining us here on Light the Lamp, and uh, hope to see you soon. Anytime. Time to wrap things up with my final quack for this show, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the episode. The Ducks are back at home, like I mentioned a couple times already, against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Friday night for a 7 p.m. puck drop. Now, the two teams have previously played each other just over – three weeks ago in Pittsburgh with a game that concluded in overtime. Certainly not the way the Ducks wanted to finish that one. I'm excited to see how the Ducks come out in this one with the recent success that they've had and continue to build off of. So we will see you at Honda Center on Friday. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. As always, I am Alexis Downey, and make sure to come back again for more Hockey Talk right here on Duck Stream.
0: This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.